Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Reminding you, Frosty has a corncob pipe. Without it, it's just a boring old dumbass snowman. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, sometimes wearing gay apparel, but always entertaining Pipes Magazine, Pipe Smoking podcast. And uh, yeah, I almost laughed on my own stuff. <laughs> and uh, I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you pre-recorded because we are traveling. So uh, yeah, we're traveling and uh, you get this one pre-recorded, recorded it at the same time as last week's. Uh, hope nothing tragic has gone on in the world are exciting but anyway on this week's episode uh i am going to personally review the uh savinelli janus j-a-n-u-s blend and uh spend some time with it it's interesting uh my guest is rich esserman and uh here so rich and i sat down and recorded a long conversation and this will be part one of i think four of rich and i discussing fred's head so going back to the inside fred's head uh rich wanted to cover some of those so this is part one of that uh holiday music and uh rant all that coming up on this week's episode of the pipes magazine radio show and we are full-fledged into december and uh yeah it's it's here so i hope you're all uh gearing up for the holidays i hope you all make sure that you do get a chance to uh sit down and relax a little bit with your pipe i know this is kind of the first really normal holiday season that we've had in a couple of years so uh don't stress on it too much you know make sure and uh wear your favorite uh i don't know wear your favorite christmas stuff or hanukkah stuff and uh make sure you do get some time to sit down with your pipe and relax all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco, why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, tobacco review time. And this one was uh, inspired by a recent guest. And this is uh, Savinelli's Janus, and it's called Antique Virginia. Comes in a, a two ounce round tin. I bought this in uh, October, and so I've had it for two months. So not a lot of age on it. Um, it's described as an ambrosial mixture of bright Virginias, Orientals, and Perique. Fascinatingly nuanced and exotic. Fascinatingly. Didn't know that was a word, or you could do that, but I learned something new. All right, so so my first impression is uh, two ounces in a small round can. So I thought, well, that's going to be interesting. How'd they do that? Then my second impression was, wow, that lid is tight. It was tight. I mean, usually I can pop a tin with my hands. I had to get a I had to get my tamper and try to pry it, and that didn't work. I had to get my pocket knife and finally got the got it to break, and then I could wrench it open with my hands. 
Uh, and the only reason I mentioned that is, well, first of all, that it being that tight, I was like, that's impressive. Um, second of all, uh, I was worried because once I did that, I had to bend, I bent the lid a little bit. So it's going to be hard to really reseal it correctly for, you know, for like a couple, you know, if I, if I decide to smoke a bowl or two, a bowl every other day or so, uh, it's going to get pretty dry. All right. So then opened it up and it's got the standard coffee filter lid and the paper. Uh, it's got a, a little paper insert that's got Savinelli's name on it. And the first smell that hit me was the uh, bright Virginias. And I was looking at it and going, that's that bright Virginia seems reminiscent of something. Now, so the so the old tobacco importer, producer, manufacturer in me said, who made this? And it says distributed in the USA by, and then it says uh, two ounces pipe tobacco, and it's got the TP number for South Carolina, 20001, which is probably uh, a, a TP number for uh, Cornell and Deal. Well, problem is, I don't smell any Cornell and Deal tobacco in here. My first impression was that bright Virginia is really kind of is really bright. Uh, my second impression was where's the perique because I really didn't smell any. Uh, it was also packed really wet. Uh, I mean, wetter than wetter than it. it. It took me about an hour to get it dried down to where I like tobacco to smoke. I tried smoking it directly out of the tin with its wet at, at its moisture content i tried and then i smoked it at my level smoked it in a small bowl and a large bowl so in my opinion which i am the leading expert on it worked best in a small bowl it worked best dry and if you're perique sensitive uh it i really couldn't detect it it's the perique is way in the background if you're a perique fanatic like i am this is basically a Virginia. Uh, this is basically a Virginia that's got enough air in the can and enough vacuum seal on the can that this is going to age really well. It's going to do great. I, uh, if I had to uh, venture a guess, and it's kind of packed as like a folded ribbon. Um, if I had to venture a guess, I would say that this is a base of a um, Scandinavian tobacco group tobacco that maybe is brought over here and packed here because um, it, it's got that orlic ish kind of a hint to it um, I did uh, as uh, as my past guest said uh, I did pick up some of that Virginia sweetness I did not pick up any artificial uh, artificial flavors or toppings to it there might be some sweetener to it just to help it hold together but overall, I would say it's a really good tobacco. I'm venturing a guess that in two to three years, this will be really good and then open it, let it dry down. So that would be my suggestion for it. Uh, a couple of reviews on smokingpipes.com. Uh, one of them that uh, one of them that I found was uh, this one was a two and a half stars from somebody who wrote a little disappointing. And I always like to point out the negatives. Uh, and it says, when I opened the tin for the first time, it had a strong urea smell. And that's, of course, based off of urine. But when smoked, it has a spicy pineapple. A good idea, but poor execution of an oriental centered blend. Well, here's the problem with it. It's not an oriental centered blend. It's a Virginia centered blend with orientals and perique in it. Um, spicy pineapple kind of matches with the urea smell. Uh, and then the five star one is uh, the, this tobacco is really excellent. And I would put money on it being phenomenal with some age. Janice is a little sweet, floral, leathery and musty. The tobacco truly does possess a unique antique quality, very well balanced and flavorful. And I will say that it does have some, uh, it's got some depth to it. So it, it will be, uh, again, it'll be really, really interesting in a couple of years. It is ready to smoke now. My only suggestion is dry it down first. So there you go. Savinelli's 
Janice, um, which if you cover up the J, looks a little funny. Anyway, all right, there you go. In just a moment, my uh, the, the beginnings of the uh, the Rich Esserman discussions. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And here we go with uh, with the riches back. Uh, Rich Esserman, and again, this is uh, almost a two-hour conversation cut into cut and edited into pieces. But uh, here you go with uh, Rich, uh, Rich responding to inside Fred's head. All right, Rich, which one of uh, which one of uh, the uh, of the Fred discussions do you want to take on first? Um, I guess favorite pipe brands, maybe something like that. Yeah. So, so what are your three favorite pipe brands? Um, it's a good question, Brian, by the way, thank you for having me back on the show. Always a pleasure to be back on the show. And I just want to thank you and Dave Peterson for putting on the, uh, Las Vegas show. They're very important that we continue with the shows. I just want to mention that before we get into any discussions, I really appreciate it. The only thing that could have made the show better was if you were there. Yeah, I really wanted to be. My wife is still a little nervous about travel, but I think yeah. she's loosening up a little bit. And maybe in 2023, I can begin to go to a few. Yeah. You know, I've gone, I just want to mention, I've gone to shows since 1982. Wow. So I love pipe shows. I think they're tremendous. You know, they're a great place for meeting, seeing people, seeing pipes, talking about different things. You know, it's, it's really great. Yeah, and back in 82, they were held in caves by candlelight. That's right. Well, we were very fortunate to uh, to have a lot of candles at the first show I went to. <laughs> yeah, it was a great show. And uh, I think Fred Janusik mentioned that as well in one of his uh, podcasts. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that's, you know, one of the things I also want to mention to you before we talk about brands again, but is that, you know, I enjoy hearing how people started out yeah. uh, with their uh, different kind of collecting or different kind of smoking, what they originally started with, what they moved to, maybe where they are now. But it's always an interesting thing to hear about someone's journey. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you bump into somebody and you, you learn something from a particular person and that really changes everything about what you do and where you go. So, you know, that's why I'm glad when you, you ask people, how did they, how did you start out and so on? To me, it's tremendous. And, you know, that's the, uh, one of the, you know, so our, our, uh, our Saturday zoom group, you know, where I am one of the more junior pipe smokers at, you know, 25 years or whatever I've, <laughs> you know, and when I mean junior, I mean, junior by a long ways, um, the one thing, the, the one thing that I think is common amongst uh, you, Fred Hanna, Fred Janusik, you know, all these guys, all, all you guys that have 40 and 50 years in this hobby is that you're still always asking questions. Uh, you're still kind of on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it true. It, it, and that's the thing. If you're a real enthusiast, the one thing I always say is, you know, I never know it all, and I'm very much interested in hearing about what other people have to say, new experiences. In fact, that's one of the things we'll talk about here with uh, one of our 
great Zoom calls last weekend, um, was, uh, you know, is learning about different things. Because I, I remember, I think it was Brad Pullman who said, you know, when he, he when he moved into doing machine work or something like that, he was a new guy. And these old timers came over to him while he was working. And they were watching him. And, you know, he wondered, why were they watching him? And they and the guy said, well, you're so new, you might be doing something different that we never <laughs> thought about. Yeah. And and that that kind of thing, you know, is always to me is, is good. Plus, also, like if you and I discuss a particular pipe or brands or whatever, which we will, you know, a lot of times when we have the conversation, something new comes out of it that maybe we weren't even thinking about as we were talking all of a sudden, you know, a topic or a subject or something comes out and you say, wow, I never thought about it like that. And yeah. that, that's one of the reasons why I, I enjoy having discussions with people because there's always something new to learn. And as you say, if you, if you really want to keep the hobby exciting, that, you know, you, you always have to keep an open mind as to, you know, you have your own particular thoughts and ideas, but, Listening to what other people have to say to me is is very important. It really adds to your knowledge. Yeah, and and it might you know you might find your next new favorite. Oh, absolutely. I've, I mean, many times. Yeah, like so. Someone has said, "Have you tried this or whatever?" You know. Yeah. So in your in your mind, what are your three favorite or the three top brands of pipes? Well, I can tell you that I have. Two very, very top brands. Two very, very favorite pipes. Um, and then the third, we'll have to figure that out. But the first two are Dunhill. Yeah. I mean, Dunhill from the beginning of time to up to, say, 2019. Uh, I've had, I have pipes from all those different time periods. And then also Costello pipes, which I really, really, really enjoy Costello quite a bit. Now the third, the third one, and I want to get back to Costello in a little bit, but the third one is is tough because I have a lot of like, do I like Parks pipes? Yeah. Do I like uh, JT Cook pipes? Yes, I like JT Cook pipes. You know, are there other people? Ashtons? Love Ashtons, especially the older ones. So the bottom, the third one is very hard to choose because they're just a different variety of, of pipes. Buteras, you know, is that my is that my third favorite? It's tough to say because they're all there's a there's a le a level of consistency of great smoking qualities, great craftsmanship, and everything. But the top two are, like I say, Dunhill and Costello. So I want to I want to interrupt you because here's a here's an interesting question for you. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned you know J T Cook, Michael Parks, Butera, and Ashton. In my mind, I consider uh, you know Cook and Parks and Butera to be artisan pipe makers, and Ashton to be a brand because Bill Taylor, you know, started the brand and uh, and had other people that worked for him and helped him with it. And then, and now Jimmy Craig took it over and he's, you know, probably got some people working with him and stuff. Does that fit for you as the definition of, you know, the difference between an artisan pipe maker and a brand? Um, yeah, to some degree. I mean, I'm, I am, uh, uh I'm not really that concerned with the the fact that something someone is artisan made. You know, it's a big thing now. People really like that because, first of all, they get to know the artisan, and secondly, they get you know pipes. A lot of times, they they'll special order a pipe that they want, and the artisan will make it, which is you know hard to do if it's a Dunhill or or a Costello or whatever. Um, but it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't impact because I'm I'm looking at the finished product always. <laughs> and to me, the finished product is what count. I mean, you could be an artisan pipe maker and be an average pipe maker. You know, some of the top artisans, I mean, I should, you know, like J.T. Cook, 
How does this pipe compare to a Costello? Well, I don't compare them. They're, they're, they're wholly different. They smoke different too. You know, very high quality, but there's different, there's different quality, there's different things to each one. Right. So I don't, I'm not really a big one that makes a distinction between a great pipe that might be what we call factory made versus a great pipe that one person made. And I, and I'll say this. I have a, a number of Dunhill Magnums from the 1920s and 1930s. And um, I've talked to a lot of different makers who've seen some of the pipes. And and I and the one thing we agree upon is that one guy made them all. One guy made them all from start to finish. And if you look in their catalog, they'll they'll, they'll mention in the in the section which OD, which is own design section that these were made by an art by a by a craftsman so now the fact that this these pipes are made in a factory by one guy i believe because if you look at all the detail you you, you know it's the same guy you can yeah. just tell it so you can tell a, a jt cook blast you can tell this guy's blast you can tell the shape of the stem and things of that sort so does that matter to me well, it's a nice thing to know. I'd like to know who that guy was, but what he made was really tremendous. You know, it is is as good as a yes pipe, as good as a Lars pipe, as good as a bow pipe, or whatever the top, the top of the top. You know, I don't know, but I but I will say that that's why I've never let that really sort of influence. I know it's a big thing now to talk about, but so, so you don't really go into the restaurant of the kitchen to look and see who's making the food. You just want the food to show up and you want it to be great. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting, that's interesting uh, analogy, Brian, because it's very true. Who goes in, who knows what chef is working on that particular day when you get the food, <laughs> yeah. when you go to the restaurant, you don't know. No, clue. You know, the fact that it's owned by somebody. All you know is when you walk in the door that that's the place I went and I had a good time before and I'm going to go back again. Exactly. And I think that's another thing that I, that I will say about uh, my favorite pipe brands is they're very consistent. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, about that because that's one of the things that's in Fred Hannon's mind. And we'll take a break right here and be back with Rich in just a moment. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors, to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, part one of four of The Rich Responds or The Rich is Back. <laughs> years ago, we had a, a discussion about on paper that created a lot of controversy. But, you know, the thing is, consistency to me is a, is, a, is a very important thing. You never know, as the old expression is, I remember what people say, you know, it's the, the piece of briar they dug out of the ground, that's where the donkey always stopped to take a leak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a briar, that, that, that's a particular pipe that you're smoking is made from that thing. You know, because again, I mean, I've talked to, people that have dug up the briar i've read a lot about it and they'll always tell you except in a few cases where they know where the briar is shipped from like algeria or whatever they don't know they don't know where the briar's from they don't know where it was was it on the side of the hill or it didn't get any sun and they had a really wasn't on the side that you no one knows that it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a piece of you know thing in the ground that someone dug up and they chopped it up and they sent it to you. 
So it's what they do with that briar, those briar, those briar cutters. And to me, that that's part of the process. You know, years ago, we had a, a Fred and I brand, and it was a big thing in about 2000. Yeah. Brand versus briar. And, um, you know, whether or not it was the brand, you know, the fact that it's a stamp. And I think at the time, you know, we were both a lot younger then. I think I probably did not describe my my attitude, um, what I really was trying to get to when we talk about brand. Because, you know, you, 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 you've heard the thing, well, Dunhill's overpriced, it is this, it's that, Costello, you know, why it's expensive. So, as I was saying, you know, one, one of the critical things that we were discussing was um, brand versus briar. And one of the things that, you know, the actual stamp, of course, is meaningless. You know, whether it's stamped, whatever, because the stamp doesn't, of course, impact the smoke. But it's it's what stands behind that stamp. Like, we know that Costello, for instance, ages their wood um, for 10 years or so, and they spend a lot of time prepping it. We know that, that um, you know, Dunhill also, I don't, know, I don't know anything right now about how Dunhill preps their wood or whatever it is, but I do know, I did get a magnum a couple of years ago from them, 2019, the white spot, um, and it was a great smoke. Now, what do they do that makes it a great smoke? I mean, it's, again, people say, well, all this stuff is in your mind, but it isn't. When you smoke hundreds and hundreds of pipes on a particular band, brand, and they all smoke really nicely, you know, and some of them are just, as Fred would call it, a magical pipe. I don't like to use that term, but I use it where where it's just outstanding no matter what you put in it. You know, to me, that's what makes that's what makes a, a pipe brand important to my collecting. You know, look at the first. Uh, brand, the first Dunhill Magnum I ever smoked, I got it because my friend, my late friend Sam Barnett told me there was one in town in New York City. He took me to the store, which I had never been to before. And I smoked it, and it was phenomenal. You know, I had been smoking Dunhills before that, late, late. And I, I, and I went against a trend. You know, you can ask uh, Fred Janusik if he ever goes back on. You know, what was popular in the 70s and 80s. Well, it wasn't 70s and 80s Dunhills. It was the older Dunhills. You know, most of, most of it was 60s and 50s, and then you had some, you know, stuff in the 20s and 30s. Those are the ones they said were the greatest smoking pipes. <laughs> but I used to go into this to buy a new Dunhill, and I felt that they were as good, if not better, than some of the older ones that I tried. <laughs> so, you know, and they're consistent. That, to me, is the biggest thing. So when I, I don't hesitate to buy a pipe that's a Dunhill or a Costello or a J.T. Cook or whatever, if you can find them, um, because I know that the pipe that I get almost always, 99.9 out of 100, is going to be a great smoking pipe. Now, there, there are Dunhills and Costellos that you've owned that just didn't work for you, right? Yeah, that's another. Well, it's not where they didn't work for me per se. You know, do you ever have a situation in which you you I'm sure you have, which you go and you got to have this pipe and you buy the pipe, and it and it's a really it's a really nice looking piece, but for some reason and it smokes great, but for some reason it doesn't. The old expression, trip your trigger. Yep. Um. Why? I don't know why. You know, I mean, I've had I have had pipes that are really good smoking pipes. A lot of times, you know, again, it, it's also having to do with, let's say, I want to upgrade and say a Dunhill Magnum comes along or something like that, and I need to sell or trade a few pipes to get that pipe. Sometimes things go like that, but other times, you know, they they're just sitting around, and why why do I pick up this one versus that one? You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sure you've had that many times in your in your life. Yeah, I've, you know, I, in my, uh, it, it's interesting for me because in my once or twice a year purge of pipes, depending on, <laughs> depending on how much I've bought recently, 
I will then go into my pipes and look at them and say, all right, why haven't I smoked you in a while? And I'll take that pipe out and I'll smoke it. And sometimes I'll realize, you know, the, the size is off for me or, yeah, I'll try it with different tobaccos and try to figure out maybe it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's just not working for my usual. So I need something. Maybe I'll try it with something else and see if it works. And then, you know, I've got, X amount of pipes that are saved for my morning Virginias during the summer. And I've got X amount of pipes that are reserved for, I know, I know you're going to, you're going to, you're going to laugh, but my larger pipes, which you would call, you know, <laughs> you would call spare tires. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are my larger pipes that for three hours in the reclining chair, you know, I don't need to have a whole bunch of those. So then I'll go through a process and make sure that I have, you know, figure out which ones are better for me or which ones work better, which ones I enjoy more. And it's just a process of nothing's wrong. Nothing's right. It's just not a marriage that is happy. Um, yeah. And then every once in a while, I'll find a pipe that, I've forgotten about and haven't smoked in a while and I pull it out and I go, Oh, why? Wow. You know, I need to, you know, I've got some corners in the cabinets, so maybe I need to move that pipe out of the corner of the cabinet and into the middle where I tend to pick from all the time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a constant evolving process. And then especially since, um, a uh, dearly departed tobacco company of you know friends of ours <laughs> retired um i've had to adapt to some newer tobaccos so i've been trying those in some different pipes and seeing what works um but it's you know it, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning where it's a consistent journey where you never really find the end of it if you're doing it right yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, I was just discussing this with some people, you know, getting older, you know, when you, when, when I was, and I'll use the word quote unquote younger, um, you know, you, I, there was always a, I always wanted to get something new. I always really did. There's a lot of pressing, just wanted to do it. You know, I enjoyed it. There's nothing like getting a brand new pipe. And uh, or I mean, it, or it could be a brand new estate pipe, and 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 just having that in the first ball, and let's say it's it's just a, really a pleasure. Yeah, you know, we're all at the point where everybody that I know, you know, the, the old saying is, you don't need another pipe, and it's very true. No, nobody that I know needs another pipe. No, th this um, is not the this is not the need department. This is the want department. Right, the emotion. What I call the emotional value department. Yep. And you know the thing is, like, um, you know, how much emotional value do you get from buying, you know, your pipes? And this is where you know over the years I've become much choosier um, than I did in the past. Not to say that I willy nilly just bought pipes, but because they had to meet certain criteria always. But you know, now I have a, I have a lot of pipes that I really, really enjoy smoking. And when I look for, when I want a full bent, you know, I go into a couple drawers and I pull out the box and I say, yeah, this, I can't figure it out. I'll figure it out another hour and then I'll bring a few down to where I smoke in the downstairs and, and I'll figure out which one I want then. You know, so the emotional value of getting pipes, and I like to smoke, first of all, I want to just mention, I smoke all my pipes regardless. If I don't, if I don't really, if I get it for some reason, I don't like it. I won't smoke it because I don't want to wreck value because I know I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm buying my pipes to smoke. So you get a, you get a great new pipe, you sit down, and, and, and you smoke it, and the value is there. And lately, you know, the thing is, I see, I look at pipes every day. I enjoy looking at pipes, you know, just going through eBay and other sites and stuff like that. And I, I get emails from friends who send me photos of their pipes. I, I, I love it. But, it, but what, I, what I don't have to do is I don't have to buy anything. 
unless that pipe really, really, really stands out, is really something that I really want to add to it. And that sort of cuts out a whole group of pipes that I used to call my fun pipes, although I do every now and then I get a pipe which I call my fun. Like I got a, I got a giant Radici Magnum from 2010. Small one. It was beautiful. <laughs> I really liked it. And I got it and, and, it, and it smokes very well. And I got a 10-star or 5-oro Amorelli, which is a weird shape. It just appealed to me. It would belong to an old friend of mine who sold it to another person, never smoked it. And and it, it, these pipes add value. They didn't cost me an arm and a leg. You know. They were, I mean, for what they were, they were reasonable. So, you know, that's the whole thing, Brian. You know, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I'd like to hear your your thoughts on, like I say, this emotional value. What does it mean? Does it does it ebb and flow? Do you all of a sudden need to get a pipe or don't need to get a pipe? Or how does it work for you? I at times, and I've I've discovered this more when I travel, um, because I've taken some, you know, some long, you know, twelve, fourteen, twenty-one day trips. And on a long trip like that, I'll take three pipes with me because I don't want to take a whole bunch because we're, you know, because we're traveling. Uh, my my pipe bag holds three pipes in it, and that and that works for me while I'm while I'm out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find that at the end of the trip, I'm ready to smoke other pipes because I've experienced those three, yeah, you know, over and over again. I'm ready to have the variations of the other pipes that I own uh, because I am in a, I'm in a really narrow wheelhouse of tobacco. You know, I like, I like my Virginia Periques and I like my Periques with Virginia. That's, that's my (laughs) narrow wheelhouse. Um, So the variety and flavors and experiences that I get are from, dealing with different pipes of sizes and shapes. And I know the ones that give me a slightly different experience. Uh, and then, and then there's that, there's that magical excitement when you get that new pipe, you know? So, so I get home from a trip and the first thing I do is I clean the three really well and I set them down and I don't even think about them for a week cause I'm busy, you know, dealing with the other, I think right now, as we're recording this, I've got about 90 pipes in that cabinet. Uh, so I've got plenty of other variety to choose from. But you're right. I And then there's the times when I, you know, I want the excitement of something new, something that is, you know, that's going to add to the collection. And, you know, so in my case, since a lot of them are estate pipes, um, something that's been freshly cleaned professionally as opposed to the ones that I have that have all been smoked and abused and, you know, and, uh, as, as the old horse saying goes rode hard and put up wet sometimes. <laughs> uh, but when you talk about emotional value, there are pipes that I have that I've created memories with. Uh, there are pipes that are attached to people, uh, I'm holding in my hand the uh, the Jay Allen estate pipe that I bought at the Vegas Pipe Show from. I bought it from Jeff, but he was selling it for uh, Mitch Michelson's kids, and right. now I have a pipe that is attached to my fond memories of Mitch, and Jeff made it and Jeff cleaned and restored it, so I know that it was done really well um and it's the only thing i bought at the at the vegas pipe show because i wasn't planning on buying anything i was planning on being busy uh so that that pipe there's got a whole bunch of memories attached to it uh i've got pipes from you know pipe makers that have become really good friends and Mm -hmm. you know those those memories those are you know things that are attached to those people uh, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. You see, and that that to me that that's important. I think a lot of times, you know, there's there's two types of things that I, I 
that are that are important. Um, and one of them, and I will just say this: what what you call, you know, the who made the pipe and where did you get it, and so on. And so these are these are what I call external yeah. factors. They don't make them any less important. The fact that they make it, everything very important. You know, the uh, like I've got some pipes that I that I got from my buddy Chuck Rio. We used to trade pipes back and forth quite a bit. And then uh, later on, we, we did it less. But, you know, those, those pipes are, are important to me because they were Chuck's pipes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really nice pieces. Don't get me wrong. They're, not the, they're tremendous. But, you know, the thing is that they're, they're, they're Chuck's pipes. And there's one that's a GG. It's a 15, which is a billiard, billiard pop. But this is a stack. It's the largest, tallest one. And for me, it's not really that tall, but it's the tallest one I've ever seen. And that pipe is with a silver band. That pipe, you know, I know where he got it from. I know I know he's had it, and he passed it back. He and I passed it back and forth. And then it finally went back to me. And, you know, that pipe's staying with me. You know, it may not be my favorite pipe, but it's a pipe. Why would I sell it? What what, what money could I generate that would, that would have any meaning Yep. As opposed to that, the meaning of the pipe itself. You got to look at it that way. <laughs> and there are other pipes, though, that are really, the pipe itself has radically changed uh, my collection. And the, the one that really sticks out. And we'll stop the conversation with Rich Esserman right here. How's that for a cliffhanger, huh? Uh, you'll have to hear the answer in a future episode of... Rich Esserman talks, uh, Rich Esserman responds, the rich is back, whatever I'm calling it, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, Rich Esserman, Doctor of Pipes, Governor of the Doctor of Pipes, so the Grand Poobah. So uh, we'll have him on, we'll have, you'll have the answer in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And for holiday music, we've got a double header. Why? Because these are two completely different styles of songs. Uh, both fun, both different, and uh, both kind of on the shorter side. So uh, here is the first one. It was sent in by Kevin. And Kevin writes, hi, Brian. If you're looking for holiday music, look no further than... The Hat I Got for Christmas is Too Big by Mel Blanc, the genius. Uh, also, my sympathies on the loss of your aunt. What a wonderful tribute to her you gave. Take care, Kevin. Thank you very much. And uh, here is the man of a thousand voices, Mel Blanc. The hat I got for Christmas is too big It's nice but my sombrero is too big Is it raining? Is it snowing? I can't see where I am going Cause the hat I got for Christmas is too big But ring the bells and beat the drum Ring the bells and beat the drum I'll ring the bells Polite, but if I see that Santa Claus, I'm going to start a fight. The 
that I got for Christmas is too big. Oh, it's nice, but my sombrero is too big. If you wonder why I shiver, I fell three times in the river, cause the hat I got for Christmas is too big. But ring the bells and beat the drum. Ring the bells and beat the drum. I'll ring the bells, but I feel sick. Cause Mr. Santa Claus, you played on me a dirty trick. The hat I got for Christmas is too big. It's nice, but my sombrero is too big. If you think it's hot in Siam, you should be in here where I am. The hat I got for Christmas is too big. The hat I got for Christmas is too big. It's nice, but my sombrero is too big. Can't tell one thing from another. I got married to my brother. The hat I got for Christmas is too big. But ring the bells and beat the drum. Ring the bells and beat the drum. I'll ring the bells and say ole. But Mr. Senor Santa Claus, you spoil my holiday. All I could picture was uh, Speedy Gonzalez singing that. Mel Blanc, what a talent. All right, for uh, music piece number two, a completely different style. Uh, and this comes from Fletch the Pipe Smoking Dentist, who writes, uh, as, uh, as for holiday music, I offer this recommendation from Roy Mendiola, my soon-to-be son-in-law next month. Uh, last year, while working on his degree in music performance, he wrote, produced, performed, and mixed every instrument on his first in instrumental release called Christmas Hullabaloo. I highly recommend his version of Angels We Have Heard on High for you and your listeners. So here we have uh, Roy Mendiola doing Angels We Have Heard on High.
The album is titled Christmas Hullabaloo, and it's by Roy, R-O-Y, last name Mendiola, M-E-N-D-I-O-L-A. It's on, uh, I found it on Spotify and on Apple Music and uh, all the other places. So go check out the album and uh, listen. I mean, it's just a lot of fun stuff for the holidays. What's this? A letter for me. And in the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. And uh, that way I'll get it. Now, because we are 100% pre-recorded, I will uh, answer a few questions that I've got backlogged from before. And this one comes in from uh, from. Uh, James the Pipe Rookie, and it says, Brian, recently I've come across early 20th century tobacco from an estate sale. Some packages do not state if the tobacco is pipe or cigarette tobacco. I'm curious, was such tobacco sold to both, uh, to both tobacco users? If so, at what point did manufacturers begin to market specifically to pipe and cigarette smokers? You ask a really good question there, and the answer is... Uh, going back, yes, loose cut, uh, loose tobacco, tobacco that was sold loose was marketed to both pipe and cigarette smokers. And in fact, you'll uh, see some Prince Albert cans that say, uh, you know, good in a pipe or as a cigarette. Uh, you'll see a couple other brands like that. But then you'll also notice that some brands were marketed as pipe tobacco where that ended i don't know and i tried to find out and i'm hoping maybe somebody in the audience that listens to the show will know i do believe that it probably ended when uh taxation for cigarettes and cigarette tobacco got separated from pipe tobacco so i'm going to guess that's the late 1950s early 1960s and that's also when we started to see an increase in um in some uh, flavorings in pipe tobacco. So that would be you know, the beginning of what we now call the, uh, the true American aromatics. Uh, and then uh, got a big email here from Dave and Dave Ogden. And Dave says, uh, hi, Brian, thanks so much for all your hard work on putting together the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. I had, a such, I had such a great time and made several new friends in the pipe world. I ended up buying half a dozen pipes, all from new and up-and-coming pipe makers whose work I would have never gotten a, the chance to see otherwise. Just wanted to, uh, wanted you to know that your efforts are greatly appreciated. I'm just sorry I didn't get a chance to say thank you in person at the show. All the best to you and your staff, Dave Ogden, <laughs> my staff. Um, you mean Dave Peterson and uh, mine and his wife? Yeah, that's our staff. Um. And then I, I asked him, I said, all right, can I share that? And, uh, and he said, yeah. He said, sure. What, you're welcome to use my comments about the Las Vegas International Pipe Show on the podcast. I had a fabulous time. Um, I recently bought a new home in the mountains of California, and it's been a battle to get the place ready, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, he, wrote, he sent me pictures and wrote about each pipe that he bought. And the, this one in particular piqued my interest because he said, my wife, Brenda, used to work with Pete Prevost's mom, Anita, in the music department at East High School in Bakersfield. And so I stopped by the Briarworks booth to meet Pete right after I got to the show Saturday morning. We're both musicians and had a great time comparing notes, so to speak. He spent 10 or 12 years on the road with a famous rock band, and I've spent a lot of my life running a recording studio and engineering albums for artists. So we had lots to talk about. Uh, I bought a beautifully cross-grain poker from Pete while we talked. Nice and light with a tight bird's eye. It's a great pipe. I've always liked sitters, and the engineering on this one is spot on. Uh, Briarworks had probably 100 pipes out on their table in a huge array of shapes and sizes, and every one was a beauty. Uh, he goes on to say, this is more like a trip report, but... Uh, Anyway, it's got some got some great stuff in it. And then he goes on to say, Pete and I were talking about the Nashville music scene and some of the artists we know there. And I mentioned I'm an old friend of Noam Pinkelney. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, the banjo player in Punch Brothers, a band led by mandolin player Chris Thiele. P 
his Pete pointed out Scott Thiele over in the booths in the next row. I didn't even know Chris's dad was a pipe maker, and I had to go over and say hi. I had a lovely time talking with Scott, who had a long career rebuilding pianos that began not far away from me in Southern California. While we were talking and comparing tobacco affinities, I ended up buying a beautiful cross-grain brandy Lavat that was out of Scott's table, a shape I've always been fond of. Another beauty with excellent craftsmanship. I was greatly impressed with Scott's pipes and their execution. He really has a master touch. Uh, and he sent a picture of that pipe. Uh, he said, then I, I then wandered down the aisle and stopped at Doug Finlay's booth. Doug and his wife were there from Kansas City, where, where one of my best friends lived, and we chatted about Kansas City barbecue joints. And uh, for being a new pipe maker, I thought his pipes were amazing, very skilled craftsmanship, perfectly drilled and beautifully finished, with a large range of shapes in both sandblasts and smooths. Uh, he had a couple pipes of a new shape that he'd come up with that he featured on his business card called the Atlati. A-T-L-A-T-L, -A -T -L, that I thought were a total stunner. But the only example he had was uh, he had that was for sale was a magnum size, a bit too big for me. Now Rich Esserman's ears perked up. Um, anyway, he said Doug is already a top-notch carver, and he picked up a cross-grain horn from him. Uh, the show was getting busier and the crowd thicker by Saturday afternoon, but I kept wandering the aisles. I stopped for a closer look at Steve Norse table, whose business Vermont freehand supplies Mediterranean briar for most of the pipe makers. He had several absolutely stunning pipes by a young maker named Brighton James, who now lives in Australia, but started about 10 years ago here in the U S some of the most beautiful briar I've ever seen. I was captivated by a volcano shape with perfect 360 degree straight grain. And after talking to Steve for a while, one of the most mellow guys you'll ever meet, I pulled the trigger and added that beauty to my bag. <laughs> and it's, it's a beauty. Um, except it's got one of those stems that comes straight up instead of bending. Um, at that point in the afternoon, I was starting to wonder if I had had enough, but no, I was really having a great time talking to all these talented pipe carvers. I ended up spending quite a long time talking with a Czech fellow. That's uh, Merrick Sickle. Uh, he had rented a car to drive all over the desert areas around Las Vegas and had been over to Colorado, over to the Colorado river at needles and then to Kingman, Arizona back to death valley in california he was a fun character and his pipes were really beautifully carved he specializes in panels one of my favorite shapes and i ended up buying a lightly sandblasted panel brandy glass shape from him that is really nice and light and a well-made pipe uh, i checked after i got home and couldn't find his name on the website either but i hope he had a great visit to Las Vegas and the U.S. It's Merrick, M-A-R-E-K, last name is Sickle, C-I-K-L. Uh, and then he uh, continues to write, I stopped by Chance Whittemore's booth to say hi since we'd done business previously, and I bought a copy of the first edition of Dunhill's Gentle Art of Smoking. Chance had a huge array of estate pipes that he had renovated beautifully, as well as all sorts of pipe bags and boxes and other ephemera that pipe collectors tend to amass. He brought a huge amount of stuff to the show, definitely a big effort on his part, and provided lots of fun finds for the collectors in the crowd. Uh, Tim Dowell was down the aisle from Chance, and I stopped to see his array of estate pipes, all beautifully cleaned up and renovated. I'm partial to wide oval shanks for their ease uh, on the hand. And uh, Tim had a lovely Butch Quinn in an unusual cobra shape that I had that I didn't have in my collection. Really nice cross grain briar, and the price was right, so it went into my bag. <laughs> and then finally, he said, "I also bought those travel tobacco tins from uh, Dave Shane at the Pipery, uh, another another booth with a huge, beautiful collection of estate pipes, and stopped by Cornell and Deal's booth where they had a big assortment of blends that I hadn't tried. So I picked up three tins of their various Latakia mixtures. At that point, the door prizes were being announced, and the show was wrapping up for the day. I headed back to my car in the parking lot." 
which, by the way, was super close and convenient to the show, not an enormous hike like most uh, casinos in Vegas offer, and when uh, and was on my way back home, I opened up one of the tins I bought, Cornell and Deal's Montford Point Marine, packed the Butch Show Quinn Cobra, and pleasantly wild away the three-and-a-half-hour drive home, one of the most fun days I've had in years. All the best to you, Brian, and the crew that put on the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Thanks again, Dave. Dave, you're welcome, and thanks for sending in that trip report. I mean, that that's great. Glad to see all the pipes you picked out, too. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. I feel like I do this one annually, but I'm going to broaden it, all right? Prejudice. Prejudice is bad. Prejudice is bad. Diversity is good. Diversity in music, diversity in pipes, diversity in tobaccos, diversity in things that we like to drink. Uh, that's all good. And, and as I've said in the past, I don't care if you say Merry Christmas to me, Happy Hanukkah, Seasons Greetings, Happy Holidays kwanzaa whatever it is as long as you are saying it and you are meaning it i will accept it and be grateful for it because it's a wish that you want to give me and therefore that diversity is good and i may respond back in the same way to you because that's what you feel so diversity is good anybody that is prejudiced against anything in particular well you know what that's bad you can say you don't like something. You may not enjoy a particular type of music. You may not enjoy a particular type of tobacco. You may not enjoy a good cup of coffee. I don't understand you, but you may not enjoy that. Well, that's fine to say that you don't enjoy it. You've tried it. You've experienced it. But just saying that it's bad or being prejudiced against something just because it's different and you haven't tried it, well, that's bad. So... This is all about the holiday season, and it's all about uh, accepting of others, giving gifts, being around people, and being happy and joyful. And we as pipe smokers, well, we accept everybody that has different lifestyles and different types of pipes that they enjoy and different types of tobaccos that they enjoy i mean listen it was me and rich esserman he likes really big pipes full of latakia and boy don't i that is the exact opposite so there you go uh please keep sharing the pipes magazine radio show out wherever you are remember every week even during the holidays brand new shows at 8 p.m eastern time uh and, you know, just hopefully you can get a chance to sit down and enjoy your pipe during the holidays. Uh, I'll be back next week live or close to live or back when I'm, uh, you know, I'll be back home. I'll be home for the holidays. Sounds like a song. Uh, thank you very much to Rich for joining me and more of Rich in future episodes. Thank you all for tuning in. And Bombardier, until next time. Bombardier, 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 Happy trails Bombardier, Bombardier, to Bombardier, you.
bombadida 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 Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Jack Frost nips on my nose. He's going to get whacked on the head. <laughs>